take my place. <laughs> and Sabrina wanted me to hold her, and when I was picking her up, her eyes were not meeting mine. She was looking at this fuzzy little thing and pulls that thing off. So <laughs> everything is good. <coughs> and there's um, changes that come about in our lives, isn't there? Constantly. <coughs> and... Um, we have a good amount of, of young families with children, and there's something I want to read to you before I start uh, the message. Things change when you have children. Everything changes when you have children, and with each subsequent child, there are even more changes. <clears throat> Like you have the first child, and when the second one comes, there's changes, third one, fourth one. I have a few here that I want to read you, the changes that happen, <clears throat> particularly in the days following having a baby. When you have the first child, you spend a significant amount of time each day just gazing at the baby. And the second child comes, and you spend a significant amount of time each day making sure that your older child isn't pinching or pushing the baby. When the third child comes, you spend a significant amount of time each day hiding from the children. <clears throat> and when you leave your children with the babysitters, with the first child, you call home five times to check on the baby during a two-hour dinner with your spouse. With the second child, you leave instructions with the, sis the sitter to only call if there's an emergency. Then when the third child comes, you leave strict instructions with the sitter to call only if they see blood. I have one more. <clears throat> Invariably, you'll do, a child will do what I did is swallow something. When I was a child, I remember um, having a little flashlight light bulb in my mouth playing on the floor. And somehow I just forget about it and I crunch down on it and broke it in my mouth, that little bulb. But uh, swallowing coins. With the first child, you immediately take the baby to the emergency room and demand x-rays. And with the second child, you carefully watch for the coin to pass. And with the third child, you deduct the money from his allowance. <laughs> so life has changes, and as you know, <clears throat> okay, let's uh, get into the, uh, what I want to share today is, is a continuation of what I have been sharing on the main question that came up with why I'm going in this direction was we all know that the Israelites had to be delivered from Egypt because of the, the slavery, the, um, the hardship that they were enduring under the the Pharaoh at the time. And so my mind was saying, well, why were the Israelites there in the first place? And I think if you sum it up, it's really so that the glory of God could be manifested. So God's ability to rescue his people is available even to us. And how good he is at that. And that is his whole 
um, focus is, is buying us back. And so we can have a relationship with him. But there's other reasons, I guess. And we, I don't think we're going to get completely through today to where I wanted to. Um, just because I seem so um, not ready. I don't know. It was just different this morning. We, we usually get here about, you know, 10 after 9 or so, and this, this morning was like five minutes to starting it. So things are just kind of, I don't know. And I know you have mornings like that too. When the, and we don't even have children at home. We could, there's nothing that we can com, um, blame <laughs> them for. Um, so if we look at Joseph, and I had, um, in my mind, this story about Joseph, as, as I have told you already before, is, is my favorite. It, it is something endearing about this story in the Old Testament that I like so much. And, and you know, we have the story of Daniel that when he was thrown into the lion's den. Why? Because he refused to stop praying. And if you know the story, I know you know the story, but Daniel, after he found out that there would be consequences if he doesn't stop praying, it says that he went up to the upper room and the window being opened, he prayed again. And so there was never a doubt in Daniel's mind that he was going to continue this. And he did. And of course, he was thrown in with the lions and the lions did not eat him during the night. It's a good story. It's, it's beautiful. But I like Joseph's story. And we have the story of Moses, you know, after the, the, um, the, the, the tribe of Israel was at, in Egypt for so many years of hardship and labor. He was the one that God raised up to deliver the children, to bring them out of Egypt. And that whole story is beautiful. It's long, and so much could be preached and taught about it. And Jonah, another good story. How God delivered, how God brought repentance to a whole city because of Jonah. That story is beautiful. But I like Joseph. His tenderness, honesty, and, and love. We don't have a lot of information on how what he was thinking when he was in the pit. We don't have a lot of details or hardly nothing about a burning bush experience for Joseph, do we? And basically starts talking about Joseph when he was 17 and that his dad loved him more than the 11 other brothers and stepbrothers. I talked a little bit last time about why, what was the real root cause of the brothers' hatred for Joseph and toward him. And somehow I just completely went, and, and I don't remember reading this, but it was pretty plain on why uh, in chapter 37 of why his brothers hated Joseph so much, and it wasn't even anything Joseph did, not one thing. It was what his, their dad felt about Joseph that made them mad at Joseph. It says that his dad loved Joseph more than all the other brothers because he was born of his old age. I don't know if that's a good reason or not. But then later on when he would, Joseph was telling his dreams, 
Hatred was added upon hatred. A lot, of, a lot can be gleaned in the story of Joseph. A lot of things to talk about. A lot of stories. A lot of teachings and, and uh, discussion could be had. And so if we would do all of them, we <coughs> would have a hard time getting finished in many Sundays of sharing. So how was Joseph able to continue having faith in God? Did he have faith? Was there an inner pulse guiding his mind, his thoughts, and subsequently his every step? I believe there was. We have to assume that he had a relationship with the God of Israel. He would would have had some kind of... uh, communication with somebody outside of himself that was bigger than himself in order to make it through the things that he had to survive through. So there was an inner pulse. I believe that is to be God's spirit, as we'll see later on in chapter, uh, I forget which chapter now, but we'll get to it, of something that Pharaoh said about Joseph. We have those kind of days, I do, not completely like Joseph. I was never thrown into a pit by my brothers. I was never put in prison on false accusation. But I wonder what his mind thought when he was alone. Were there days, perhaps weeks for Joseph, of despair, desperation, depression, anger, sulking, hurt, hurting others? venomous disparaging of self and others? Was there ever a need for Joseph to find a counselor to assist in his journey onward and upward? Probably. We don't know if he did counsel with anybody. Probably had a need for a a counselor. I assume he embraced his father's father, which was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and dad. How was he able to drudge through the sludge of the human experience and not cave in to moral failure? The mind-numbing aloneness in the pit and prison rearranged his heart in preparation for forgiveness and reconciliation with those who couldn't forgive and reconcile. Not to wonder, did Joseph ever attempt to reach his dad when he was there in Egypt? Did he send letters of family inquiry with the couriers of his day? I don't know. It doesn't say that he did. It doesn't say he didn't. So many questions and thoughts that I have concerning Joseph. Maybe they're all trivial when I ponder the outcome that is so beautiful, so transcendent, and so life-giving. Would I have been able to do the same as Joseph? Would you have been able to do the same? Yes, you would have been able to. Would I have? Probably not. How would I be able to respond as Joseph did? If what is in me as was in Joseph and I could embrace that as did he, there would be similar outcomes for me. But we have this human uh, flesh that we walk in and it so wants to dominate us. It so wants to take over. It so wants to tell us what we should do. Just do the things that are comfortable and easy and and stress-free and just do the easy things. I wonder if Joseph thought of those things. Our hearts are prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. 
Here's my heart, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. We're prone to leave the God that we love. But I wondered if there was times of celebration for Joseph when he had those moments. And, and I believe that we all have these moments where, where we, we sense the presence of God. I have those, and I, I think Joseph must have obviously had those times in, when he's in the pit. And I don't know if it was laid up with stones, was it hewn out of a solid rock, I don't know. Was it dirt on each side? But you can imagine just sitting down in there. And how lonely that would have felt, and how did his mind then react to that? I know kind of how mine does. But then there's moments that we, that we could be praying or we could be singing. We can just simply be driving. We can be working. And there's this sense of the presence of God. And it, oh, how blissful that is. How encompassing of all of the fibers of all of our being are just so alive. Because this is something special that doesn't happen very often. And in those moments, it just seems like everything is just right, and it is. And we think about just seconds after that, that the things that I struggle with in life, they're not going to happen anymore because I just had this experience with God, and everything is just right. I won't drink alcohol anymore. I won't look at bad movies. I won't do these. I won't lie. I won't cuss. I won't steal. And then you go to bed, and the next morning you wake up. What happened to all that? I have those times when I think that tomorrow everything is going to be just so beautiful and I'm not going to be able to do anything wrong. And then I wake up and I'm still here and I wonder if Joseph had the same things. That happens to me. I'll realize, okay, I'm still here on this earth and there's still struggles. There's still times when I, I'm going to feel alone. I'm going to feel agitated. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be... Uh, cynical and even more name him but as Joseph we can be we can take courage because of this story we can be encouraged I want to go to Genesis 41 where Joseph the dreamer now becomes the interpreter of dreams. And Pharaoh had a dream, and it bothered him so much that... <coughs> excuse me. It was at the end of two full years, Pharaoh was dreaming. And behold, there is, was standing by the Nile, I'm not sure if I wanted to read the whole thing there about his dream. Um, but he had a dream that so bothered him that he needed to have an interpretation. And I've had dreams where I, I literally wrote it down and sent it to my friend in Alabama. And I said, what do you think of this dream? And then I called him because uh, he hadn't gotten back to me. And we talked about this dream. It was about flying an airplane. And I forget it now. But he tried to help me interpret it because it bothered me so much at the time. It seemed so vivid, so clear, and so real. And you have dreams as well. Joseph did, or Pharaoh did, and Joseph obviously did too. But here's the dreamer that he's going to interpret this dream because they had gotten all the other people, a bunch of other people, to help him try to interpret it, and they couldn't. 
And let's start reading verse 14 of chapter 41. It says, Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph. Now, this wasn't Potiphar, which would have been directly Joseph's boss or his wife, but this was Potiphar's boss, in other words. Pharaoh, the, that was as high as it went at the time as far as where, where, uh, who was in charge. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph. So they quickly fetched him from the pit. He shaved, changed his clothes, and came to Pharaoh. In verse 15, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I dreamed a dream, and there's no one to interpret it. I heard about you. It said that you can listen to a dream to interpret it. And this was his, Joseph's answer. So, so good. He said, then Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It's not within me. God will answer with peace for Pharaoh. Wouldn't it have been an opportunity, opportunity there for Joseph to say, Hey, look, you know, I was falsely accused. I've been in prison until the day that you called me out. I, I, I think that, you know, maybe you should go to somebody else. I just don't need to be involved in this. And I had all kinds of excuses, but he just said, it's not within me. God will answer you, basically, is what he's saying. <clears throat> then he explains the dream to Joseph, and he interprets it. And not only does he interpret it, he gives a plan of what should be done, what Pharaoh should do in the next seven years because of the famine that was coming. And let's go to verse uh, 37. This is what Pharaoh says about Joseph. I don't know if he had any, uh, any idea who Joseph was up to this time. Obviously, Potiphar would have known. I don't know if Pharaoh had any idea who he was, but this is what he says about Joseph. In verse 37, Now, a plan seemed good, this plan seemed to be good in the eyes of Pharaoh as well as all his servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can a man like this be found in one, one in whom is God's spirit? <coughs> Something was different about Joseph. And Pharaoh immediately saw it. And he asked the question, Can a man like this be found, one in whom is God's spirit? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. And he says, You, you will be over my house, and all my people will pay homage to you, which means kiss your mouth. Only in relation to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I appoint you over the whole land of Egypt. <coughs> and he took his signet ring <coughs> and gave it to Joseph, put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him with fine linen and garments, put a chain of gold around his neck. <coughs> he rode with him in the chariot as second in command. Isn't that amazing? And here Joseph had been in the pit and prison, falsely accused, and for no reason at all was thrown into the pit just because he was a brother <clears throat> and that his dad loved him more than the others. <clears throat> so now this famine is beginning after the seven years where Joseph had instructed Pharaoh to lay up this grain, to put, put it, build grain bins and fill it up because there's going to be seven years of absolute famine. And this famine, guys, was really, really serious. This famine was something that was I don't know if it's ever been again like this in the world. I don't know. But nothing grew out of the ground when the famine hit. <clears throat> For seven years, 
And this is what caused his family, Joseph's brothers, to come to Egypt. is because Egypt had saved up all this food source. And people came from miles around because they didn't have any food. And so was Joseph's brothers and his dad were in pretty dire straits. And they ran out of food. And chapter 42 through verse through. Chapter 45 is the story about Joseph and his brothers, and therein can be a lot of things to be said, things to be pondered upon, and how Joseph then tests his brothers to see if they're lying. He knew they weren't, but he wanted to test them. The brothers came, come to Egypt from Canaan to buy food. This is the real the reason why the Israelites settled in Egypt as the story goes on I'm not sure how many of those points I want to hit today of how Joseph um, met his brothers and his heart but though I want to do say this is his heart was so tender towards them the whole process that there was moments where he had to excuse himself and go into another room and uh, <clears throat> I guess get a hold of himself the emotions were building so much he would send them home and at one point in verse 9 I wanted to point that out as well I believe in verse uh, chapter 42 verse 8 I'll start with that it says though Joseph recognized his brothers they did not recognize him then Joseph remembered the dreams he had dreamed about them and he said to them, you're spies. You've come to see the undefended places in the land. I don't know if Joseph had remembered the dreams that he had dreamed up to this time since he had shared them with his brothers. It doesn't say until right now. It says that he remembered the dreams that he had dreamed about them. And now it's happening. It's literally happening. <clears throat> and he sends them home and says to bring Benjamin, the youngest brother, that they said they had. Verse 13, I want to look at that. But they said, we are your servants. We, your servants, are 12 brothers, sons of one man in the land of Canaan. Look, the youngest is with our father today, and the other one is no more. Interesting. They're beginning to feel guilt about something. They don't know Joseph is who he is. In verse 21 and 22, they realized... Um, something here because uh, it says then each man said to his brother we're truly guilty for our brother meaning Joseph we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us for mercy that was back when they were, were getting rid of him and they said well you didn't listen that's why this distress has come to us that's why this king we don't know who it is is giving us such a hard time and putting us to the test telling us to go home to get Benjamin that's why because of what we did to Joseph then Reuben answered them and said, remember Reuben what he did at the time when they were wanting to kill him? He said, no, don't shed blood. He stood up for Joseph and therefore he's still alive today now in this story. And Reuben answered on verse 22 and said, didn't I tell you, don't sin against the boy, but you didn't listen. Now see how his blood is now being accounted for. They didn't know this was Joseph. They just assumed now that he was dead. It's interesting here in verse 23, they didn't know that Joseph was listening to their conversation since there was an interpreter between them. 
And here's where he turned away and wept. And then he took Simeon and kept him there and sent the other brothers home to, uh, to bring Benjamin back. Now, verse 24, I think I might have been there already. <clears throat> the emotions were piling up. And in verse 36 is when they had come home, the brothers had come home and they were telling this story to their dad, to Jacob. In verse 36, then their father Jacob said to them, you've made me childless. Joseph is no more. Now Simeon is gone. And next you want to take Benjamin. And he says, everything is against me. Have you ever said that? <laughs> I felt it. I don't know if I said it. I probably did. Sarah would know. It seems like everything is coming down on me now. I'm just alone. I, have, I, I can't handle this distress or whatever it is. Everything is against me. And Jacob felt that because of what was happening at the time. <clears throat> and Judah stands up and asks his dad, let Benjamin go with us. If he dies, you can kill my two boys. And it seems like the brothers were beginning to see that something happened, that the, the, what had happened years ago is beginning to bring this calamity or whatever upon them on top of the famine that was going on. The famine was so bad that when people ran out of money to, pay, to go to Egypt and pay for the food, they began to give their land up as payment for the food. Then they would... Um, if I remember the story right from just last night, um, they, they would then begin to go and work for him, for the, the Pharaoh and the, the, the uh, country of Egypt in return for being fed. And for seven years, it was, it was that way. And so now, as the story goes on, Joseph invites his family, and they move to, uh, to Egypt, Jacob and all his brothers, all his sons, and I think there was a couple daughters. And I think what we're going to do is, is just kind of sum it up in a little bit, and then we'll continue next time. Um, on, on the length of time that they were there until the hardship started, because it says that a new king came into place who didn't know Joseph and took over, and that's when the hardship started. Well, let's look at that a little bit more next time. And, and even a little more about the move that... Uh, Joseph's family had in, in coming to Egypt and Jacob dies and then Joseph dies and we'll pick that up uh, next time but God bless you for being here I know it's the, the kind of the, the week the holiday spirit and, and so on of Christmas and if you travel yes, God bless you keep you safe and um, and come back <laughs> um, God bless your Sunday we'll have uh, Austin close here <coughs>